not just what you're taking in, it's about the kind of calories. Yeah, if you're needing a fecal transplant, ask for Donor B. His poop is the best. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> Help people by knowing them and finding ways for them to heal and get well, not treating their symptoms with pills. I feel empowered. Wagner. And I'm Dr. Robin Miller. And together we're here as your hosts for a mix of happy hour style venting and results-based coaching. Spark is a judgment-free space where we'll chat about both the brilliant bits of life as well as the bits that are a little more sucky. With lightness, laughter, and the belief that there's no such thing as oversharing, we'll guide you in finding clear paths out of murky messes and toward discovering inspiration in everyday moments. This week, I have a very important and fun conversation with Dr. Robin Miller, co-author of the book, Heal, about how we can take control of our health and happiness. She will discuss how to lose weight without dieting, how to overcome depression and sadness without drugs, and ladies, she will discuss how a magic potion called Scream Cream can do just what you think it would do. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you. That's quite an introduction. I know. Well, from what you said and what we talked about, I think that uh, this is going to be a fun one. (laughs) We should definitely save the scream cream for last. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because we got to like, you know, keep you guys interested. But I have a feeling that all your information is going to be enough to keep them interested. So let me give our listeners a little bit of more detail about who you are. So Dr. Robin Miller is an integrative medicine physician where she practices at her own clinic called, how do you say it? Triune Integrative Medicine. Triune Integrative Medicine. I didn't want to butcher it. She is also a medical reporter for KOBI NBC in Southern Oregon. She writes for the Daily Courier newspaper in Grants Pass and has a radio show called Kiss Your Health. I love that. She is on the advisory board for Share Care, an innovative website that was founded by Dr. Oz. She is the co-author of Healed, Health and Wellness for the 21st Century. Oh my gosh, you are my woman. I am so glad we found (laughs) you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So why don't you just give us a little bit of info on what I just said? (laughs) Okay, good. So I am an integrative medicine physician, but I always wasn't an integrative medicine physician. I started out as a very conventional doctor. I did conventional training. I did a internal medicine fellowship at Johns Hopkins where I did a lot of research on preventive cardiology, helping people to prevent the fate of their relatives who died early of heart disease. And at that time, it was in the mid-80s. We were really focusing on diet, exercise, meditation for relaxation, you know, all the things that are really good for your health, which was wonderful. And then I left my fellowship, went into practice and ended up later on in Oregon where I was in a internal medicine practice, again, a very conventional one. And I remember in the early 90s giving a lecture to my colleagues to how to prevent heart disease. And I talked about diet, exercise, all the things that, you know, I was doing in my fellowship. One of the cardiologists got up and said, oh, they don't need to worry about diet anymore. We have this new drug called a statin drug and it'll lower their cholesterol 
and no one really needs to worry about their diet anymore. They can eat their Twinkies <laughs> and take their statin drug. Oh, good <laughs> idea, right? Great I idea. I know. And if they get heart disease, no problem because we can open up the arteries with these new things, these stents and, you know, we bypass surgery. They'll be fine. And that, in my opinion, was the beginning of the pill for every ill era in our lives. We have pills for everything now. Actually, people demand them. We have pills for cholesterol. We have pills for blood pressure. We have pills for erectile dysfunction. You name it, we have pills for that. And I remember being in a room with a patient and writing my 10th prescription for this person and thinking, she doesn't need this. She needs really me to stop and talk and get to the root of her problem. And that was the point at which I said, I'm not doing this anymore, and I quit. And I did an integrative medicine fellowship with Dr. Andrew Weil, and after that, I opened up my own integrative medicine practice, and I've been doing it now for 11 years. And I'm so happy. It's amazing. So I actually talk to people. I learn all about them. They learn about me in some ways, and I know them. So I actually had a patient recently who was up in Everett, Washington, ended up in the emergency room, 9.30 at night, I get an email can you please call the ER doctor? And I did. The ER doctor was astounded, number one, that I actually called him. He said, she'll never call. She goes, oh, no, she's on her email all the time. She's going to call you, which I did. <laughs> and then <laughs> it blew him away that I actually knew her, knew all about her, and I didn't have any access to my medical records at 930 at night. So that to me was like the ultimate. Yes, of course. That is why I did this. That is why I went into my practice. This I want to help people. And you help people by knowing them and finding ways for them to heal and get well, not treating their symptoms with pills. Oh, you are you're amazing. <laughs> can, can you move on this? <laughs> Thank you. Are you the only one in your uh, facility? I am. Or it's you, just me. Okay. So do you, I'm sure you have like a network though of some other kind of modalities and healers or right that you refer or how I you handle? I do. I have my virtual group, my virtual clinic. So I have an acupuncturist that I love. I have a psychologist that's amazing. I have a dietitian that I have like this magic network. I have magic people around me. A physical therapist who's not your conventional physical therapist, he's amazing too. I just have this group of magic people. I call them magic people. They're amazing. And And I'm assuming they want to know like the history and like the whole picture, right? Versus just like coming and treating the one thing, right? Yes, absolutely. We all work together. I just, I don't understand why there's not more of that. I would love it if there were. The cool thing is that this integrative medicine fellowship I did keeps training more and more people. So if people want to know in their area, if there's integrative medicine physicians, you can go to the website that Andrew Weil has. It's integrative medicine and it's a University of Arizona website. So there's a little tab where you can find a integrative medicine doctor in your area and you can click on that and you'll see if there's somebody near you. Oh, that's really good to know. Okay. Because yes. I mean, I'm, I've been in the yoga industry for 15 years and fitness before that. And so, and I feel like a lot of myself and finding my own care has been having to really do a ton of my own research. Like I've had quote IBS forever. And I always joke that I, I don't even know anything about it at the time, but I was like, I think IBS is BS for, I don't know what's wrong with you and I'm not going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in my book, I say it's IBS stands for IB stumped. Right. So, okay. So I was right. Right. And you know, it's you are right. (laughs) Cause I, I just kept saying like, you know, I know I'm trying not to sound like this weird yogi here, but I've been to how many gastroenterologists and done all these tests Mm -hmm. and this is not normal. I'm a healthy person. I shouldn't have as much stuff wrong with me. 
And you know what it was? I was severely intolerant to gluten. And so I haven't had gluten in eight years and I'm fine now. But it's like no one said – she tested me for celiac. I didn't have it. But she never mm-hmm. suggested, oh, maybe you should try a diet change, you know? <laughs> right. Isn't that funny? No, and I, it wasn't funny. Scenarios. I know. We have scenarios like yours in the book of different people with different issues with IBS and what it turned out to be. It's pretty cool. And I'm sure you do. Tell me what you do for, because I've been doing a ton of research right now on, and we don't have to get into this as a specific topic, but toxins in the home, because I didn't know anything about this. So now I'm completely obsessed in researching that and kind of why plant-based diets are so healthy. Like I never understood the why behind it. And so I started researching it and I didn't know how the flora worked and the gut bacteria and all Mm -hmm. that. And I just thought, why aren't more people explaining this to us instead of just saying, eat more broccoli? Right. (laughs) Well, a lot of it's evolving. That's part of it. These are things we're learning about. So there are certain things that you probably don't want in your house, which is, you know, those things that help with scent. Mm -hmm. That stuff's not good for you. (laughs) A lot of uh, electromagnetic waves are not good for you. You shouldn't have a cell phone near your head when you sleep. It's not a good thing. Those kind of things we're just starting to learn about. The gut The microbiome is huge. That is something that is, again, evolving. So the plant-based diet is important because what it does is it helps you to have a healthy gut. And the gut is where everything stems from. Your ability to reduce inflammation, ability to reduce depression and cancer, a lot of these things are related to what you're doing in your gut. It's amazing. Even your behavior can be related to how healthy your gut is. So I'm assuming so, that that relates to your mood then, right? I mean, it's just absolutely. All, yeah. So the microbiome is so fascinating. So it's about three pounds of poop basically in your gut <laughs> and they're bacteria and those bacteria can help you or they can hurt you. So they've done all kinds of really interesting experiments. One that is amazing was a case study where doctors will often do something called fecal transplant when people have antibiotic-associated colitis. So if you kill off the good bacteria, oftentimes bad bacteria will grow. It's called C. difficile. And it can give you a whopping colitis, which can be deadly. So we used to treat it with antibiotics. So you kill off the more bad bacteria, and then hopefully the good bacteria will grow back. But sometimes there's resistance to the antibiotic. So what doctors started doing were fecal transplants. They would take poop from someone else, put it up your colon, and repopulate your gut. Basically, that's what it is. Or have you swallow it through an NG tube. Um, I know, it sounds (laughs) disgusting. But so there was a woman who was thin. And the way it used to happen was you would get stool from somebody you knew. So she got it from her daughter. So her daughter was heavy. And after she got the fecal transplant, the thin woman started gaining weight and couldn't lose it. That was a hint at what could happen with fecal transplant and different gut bacteria. So they did experiments in mice. So they would have a fat mouse and a thin mouse. So it's easy to do fecal transplant in mice because all you do is paint the poop on their little feet or their little legs and they lick it off. So they painted (laughs) the poop from a thin, anxious mouse on the leg of a fat, okay mouse who was kind of chill. And before long, the fat mouse started losing weight and got anxious. So 
not only did the weight change happen, but the behavior change happened. And mice don't have placebo effect, are not influenced by what you're doing. They're just little animals. So that is pretty remarkable. So these days, we don't usually use the poop of relatives. (laughs) There's actually a stool bank, a fecal transplant bank that is at MIT. So they get people now who have clean stool, you know, stool without any infections, but also from people with normal body mass indexes. So you're having thin people poop. And then some people are better immune donors than others. So there's, I went to a conference and donor B is the one you want to get. His poop is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Yeah. If you're needing a fecal transplant, ask for donor B. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about beyond just calories in, calories out, because it seems like that's what we've known for nutrition for years. And But then it's like, no, I have plenty of friends and clients that are overweight that don't eat that much more than my thin friends, right? Right. It's really not just about the calories. It's about the kind of calories. And if you look at different people, different calories affect them differently. So I actually recently did this gene test on myself. It's from a company called vitagene.com. And it addresses that. It addresses the fact that some people are sensitive to carbohydrates and will get fat eating too many carbohydrates. Others are sensitive to fat and will gain weight on too much fat, even potentially healthy fats. So it's genetically how you are coded. So it's not just what you're taking in. And obviously you want a whole food, more of a plant-based diet, but it's also about who you are genetically. Mm. And this test is fascinating. It'll tell you if you're that person that will gain weight quickly after you've been on a diet. It will tell you if you're the salt-sensitive person. It will tell you if you have a gluten problem. It'll tell you whether you have a problem with dairy. It's pretty interesting. So it's your genetics, and it's also what you're eating. You know, I remember I was gaining weight, and I was like, oh, my gosh. How come I'm not losing any weight? And I was eating maybe 1,200 calories a day and exercising like a maniac, and I was still gaining And it was what I was eating. You can't lose weight eating crap. You can't lose weight eating candy. You can't lose weight eating garbage, you know, food that's in a package like Doritos or potato chips. Maybe you could eat five of them and maybe it won't, you know, get to 1,800 calories. Maybe you can keep it at 1,200 calories, but you won't lose weight because crappy food. And I was that person that was carb sensitive. So the more carbs I ate, the more likely I was to gain weight. Wow. So you have to know what you have to be observant of yourself and figure out, am I that person? Am I the person that can eat, you know, healthy fats and be fine? Or am I that person that can't? (laughs) So it's really interesting. Like, do you recommend everyone take this test? I have been. It's really interesting anyway. It's kind of cool. And it's only, if you order it on Amazon, I think it's $79. If you order oh. from the company, it's $99. It's a cheap test. It takes a while to come back. But I find it fascinating and I think it's valid. It'll also tell you whether you have the elite athlete gene. Are you the person that can build muscle really easily? <laughs> I can guarantee that that's a no over here. Um, oh, that is so crazy because I took a, the LCAT test. Do you know what that is? No. The, it's mm-hmm. um, a nutrition intolerance, mm-hmm. finding out what your intolerances are with all different foods. But it was like 600 bucks. So this is cheap. Oh, yeah. There's so much I want to talk to you about. But let's go to sucky moment of the week. Here's our sucky scale. One being kind of sucky. Five being super sucky. One. Ugh. 
two, three, seriously, four, five. So first, what do you rate your sucky moment as? I think I rated it at a four. A four. Okay, and, tell us about it. Well, it's a patient of mine who actually lives far away from me, but comes to see me once a year. I kept repeatedly suggesting that he have a screening colonoscopy because I believe it really is valuable in finding polyps and preventing cancer. And then he was having problems at home. I haven't seen him for a couple of years. And I get a call from his wife that they found a mass invading the wall of his colon in his the lower left side of his belly. Um, he was having night sweats, weight loss, and pain. And I was like, oh my gosh, if you had done what I asked, you know, how many years ago, maybe we could have avoided this. And the bottom line is there's nothing I could have done, but it's important that people, number one, take responsibility for themselves and that I can impress that on them. Plus, there are so many valuable tests, that screening tests that can be done that can prevent things like this. I didn't in him because he didn't listen, <laughs> but that well, was his choice. Yeah. Um, that's got to be really so heartbreaking. Important. It is. Uh, that's his path. Uh, that's got to happen a lot. Not necessarily just in tests, but in just like recommending what people do and then them not choosing to do it. It does. Right? Part of my career this last 10, 11 years is realizing that I can only suggest. And if things happen and people don't take my advice, they don't take my advice. And that's, you know, they're right. That's their, and again, that's their path. And I, I'm finding ways to be okay with that. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's admirable, you know? I mean, you're in this um, industry, obviously, to help people. So I imagine that's tough not to get attached to the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Oh. oh, my gosh. Okay, well, that was kind of a downer. So we'll, we'll lift it back up. <laughs> So everyone needs their colonoscopy by the time they hit 50. Yeah. Inspired action. Go get your butt tested. Okay. That's right. <laughs> well, I've had one. How healthy and... your microbiome is. <laughs> That's right. I had one like when we were going through all, I was going through all this stuff with my gut and my mm-hmm. husband was, we were just pretty early on dating. Poor guy. Like I knew he was the guy because two dates in, I was on crutches after knee surgery and um, then he's taking me to get colonoscopy and upper GS and you know, it was Oh, that's very sweet. (laughs) People get all scared about these tests. And people talk about like, even like the upper GI, like, yeah, you have to swallow some nasty stuff. But really, like, that's nothing, you know? (laughs) No, exactly. Especially if you get to the root of the problem. Yeah. So I think just letting go of our fear. And I mean, it's much scarier to not get it done and have cancer. Yes. And now it's become a lot easier. So we have really good drugs to sedate people and the prep has actually gotten a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Why would you say that? I just remember sitting on the toilet for like a day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to do that, but the stuff you have to take now is pretty easy. Oh, okay. You don't have to, you don't have to take as much stuff. Yeah. It's not as yucky as it used to be. Oh, it's fun. I have some family. I have a family member that has colitis, and um, I have a friend that actually had um, a transplant. So she has to get colonoscopy several times a year. So we always talk about no such thing as oversharing. We've had plenty of discussions about the colonoscopy prep. <laughs> but you it's feel really not really that good bad. afterwards, didn't you? Feel oh, good when you were all cleaned out, you're totally cleaned out. There's nothing left, so it's good. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about 
the book and what inspired you to do it and kind of what's your favorite part? That was like three questions, but. Okay. So the book is in several parts. So the first part is how to have a healthy heart, brain, and gut. And there's some new things in there that people might want to be aware of. And the second part is about all the new things that I realized in my practice that I've learned about through reading and patients and trying things out that other doctors may not be doing. And that's why I think it's really important people should, number one, read the book. But there are some simple ways you can overcome depression, live longer, spice up your sex life. That's in part two. Part three is about how to lose weight without dieting, which is incredibly important. And part four is about this activity that everyone should be doing that helps to give them a healthy brain, body, and just a happy life. So it's in four different parts. Again, I was inspired because I really found there were things I was doing that other doctors aren't doing. It can take doctors 10 years to institute new things in their practice that have good scientific evidence. They're obviously not doing it yet. So on page 181, I actually have a cheat sheet that people can take into their doctor and say, I want these tests. And oh, that's great. they're easy tests. So yes, you can rip it out and take it in with you. Okay, and good. so there's one really important cardiac risk factor that people need to know about that's new, that's really easy to test for and to do something about, getting back to the gut. There's something called TMAO, trimethylamine oxide. So when you eat red meat, farm-raised fish, egg yolks, a variety of other things um, that are high in carnitine and choline. So you might even have supplements that have choline in them. In your gut, the gut bacteria form TMAO. TMAO is probably the best correlate to heart disease and stroke, much better than cholesterol. It's really easy to test for to see if you have high TMAO levels. It's a simple blood test. Your doctor can order the kit from the Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic will actually pay for the blood draw. The test costs $8. Are you serious? I'm serious. It's a fasting test and it will tell you whether you're that person who has bacteria that's forming high TMAO in your gut. If you want to eat red meat and egg yolks and all those things, there are things you can do to bring the level down. And that is with grapeseed extract. You can use extra virgin olive oil or you can drink in a stout (laughs) with your steak. So for some reason, Guinness stout decreases the amount of TMAO in your system. That's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Personally, I wouldn't eat a lot of red meat. I would start restricting it. It's not good for you anyway. It really isn't. A plant-based diet is much better for everything. But if you're that person who can't cut it out, then maybe that's something you might want to do. Then there's a piece in there about the brain. And there's something called the MEND program, which I found incredibly fascinating and helpful to people. So we're all worried about getting Alzheimer's disease. That's like if you ask people whether they'd want cancer or Alzheimer's disease, if they had a choice, they'd pick cancer. And there's a program Hmm. where they took 10 people this is just as a preliminary thing with mild cognitive impairment or early Alzheimer's. They optimized everything about their health. They put them on a gluten-free diet. They had them exercising 30 minutes a day. The woman that I talk about in the book had been taken off her hormones. They put her back on her hormones. They optimized her vitamin D, magnesium, zinc, all the things that make her the healthiest person possible. And they had her do yoga, by the way. Um, Ah. She is now back to normal. Three years later. Wow. And same for nine out of the 10. The 10th person was probably too far gone, but nine out of the 10 are back to normal. So what's that saying to us? Amazing. Yes. 
And then the gut we talked about is I talk about uh, different forms of people with IBS who had different reasons for that. And so IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion. You try to find every reason. And then if you can't find it, you say they have IBS. So one of the things that's also important for depression is something called MTHFR. It's a gene. It codes for how you process folic acid. It's an easy thing to test for, either blood test or a cheek swab. So when you take folic acid or folate in your diet, a series of enzymes work on it and turn it into L-methylfolate. L-methylfolate is what your body uses to make serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine, all those things that make you feel good and make you happy. So what most people don't realize is your gut is lined with brain cells. If I looked at a brain cell and a gut cell next to each other, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference under a microscope. Hmm. So if you're one of those people that has a mutation, and you could be, because 64% of us have at least one mutation, or God forbid, two mutations, you're either down by about 30% or 70% in terms of L-methylfolate. So if I give you L-methylfolate, sometimes that will reverse your symptoms of IBS or actually help you to be happier if you are somebody who's depressed. It's pretty remarkable. So when people come to me with depression or IBS, I'll try that first. Hmm. And usually it helps. It may not treat your depression 100%, but definitely makes it better. Same thing with IBS. There may be other reasons going on, but I've seen people who actually turn around with just L-methylfolate, a simple vitamin that you can get online or at some of the pharmacies will have it. And it's not a prescription. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And then in terms of the second part of the book where we talk about depression, I mean, other things will help making sure you have adequate vitamin C, actually getting to the bottom of what's going on. So I talk about uh, PTSD in the book because it's interesting that 30% of the people with irritable bowel syndrome have some sort of PTSD, usually set related to molestation or rape. And when you get to the bottom of that and help resolve that, then their IBS goes away. I've seen that happen over and over again. There's only one thing that I found that helps with PTSD, and that's something called EMDR eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It is the most remarkable therapy and usually can be done in four sessions or less. It's amazing. I've sent maybe hundreds, 200 people for EMDR. It's helped every single one of them except for one. That's and amazing. She was, a, you know, she was a pure narcissist and <laughs> they don't respond. <laughs> you know, I had, I had that done with a therapist when I was going through fertility treatments because I was in, I mean, I didn't have necessarily PTSD, but I was just... Mm-hmm. I was so emotional and not being yes. able to conceive, and it really helped. It totally helps. And I've just seen miraculous things happen with EMDR therapy. And I work with a psychologist who's quite amazing, and we quote her in the book. And it is nothing short of a miracle for wow. many people. I mean, they walk around with this stuff in their nervous system because that's what PTSD is. When you have a trauma, it's in your involuntary nervous system, and talking about it doesn't get it out in fact, it's almost like regurgitating it over and over again. The one thing that will really help get rid of it is EMDR. And they've actually done studies at Kaiser Permanente in California. They did a study. Um, I think they gave people coming back from these various wars, these soldiers with PTSD, six treatments, and it resolved the PTSD in 100% of them. Uh, that should be required for military. I know. It should. I don't understand why they're not doing it for everybody, but they are paying for it finally. Uh, that's just something we should be doing for them because we need to take care of them. And that's not a pill. So it's not going to like mess up all other stuff. It definitely, uh, 
something that should happen. It's amazing. And they so, actually pay for it and call it energy psychology. That's what they call it, I think. Energy. I know. See, and they all think we're all nuts over here. We're the woo-woo weirdos, right? But yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I swear, I think my family's like, okay, stop listening to podcasts and doing research because every day I'm like, mom, <laughs> this is what I want. Throw, throw this out. Okay, we all need to eat more vegetables. Okay, no more of this. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> but I said, like what I said last night to my mom as I was going crazy, like in a good way, was like, I feel empowered because some people feel more stressed by this. Like, oh, you know, just say, for example, that the toxins, like, oh, well, I have to get rid of all my plastic or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's all I have to do. That's easy. You know, so it's like right. it's empowering. Like there's solutions that aren't medication that will make you feel better and probably get you off other medicine. I mean, I think that's amazing. It is. And sometimes it's as simple as changing what you're eating. Go figure. Don't you think so much of it is in our society? Because we just eat crap. It is. It is. I mean, you look at what causes most disease and it's related to lifestyle lifestyle choices. 80% of disease is related to what you're choosing to do. Yeah. So if you exercise and you eat healthy and you drink healthy drinks, then you're most likely to be healthy and happy. <laughs> the one yeah, thing that <laughs> is really remarkable is, did you see the movie Supersize Me? Yes. <laughs> I mean, do you need a better example than that? A no. man who's healthy, happy, fit, eats McDonald's for a month. They are begging him to quit by the end because his liver's almost gone. He's unhappy. He's hurting. He's developed fibromyalgia. And it's just horrible to watch. It's watching a train wreck. And all he did was eat McDonald's exclusively for a month. And he was depressed. Ugh, yeah, he awful. got depressed. Wake up call. Hello. I know. And, <laughs> and I think it's like, so how do you inspire, motivate people to make these lifestyle changes? Because I know like even in the fitness industry and in yoga, I mean, most people that come to us are already kind of like some sort of self-motivation. Yes. But when I work with people that that type of lifestyle for a long time, I just find it really challenging because they just have this like, well, I just want to take a pill attitude. You know, they just think it's like, it's not worth it, or it's just too hard. And I just want to eat all this junk. So that's what I'm going to do. Like, how do you handle that? Well, the people that come to me are motivated, because okay. I don't take insurance. So if they're paying out their own bucks, they're going to usually do what I suggest. And there are people where they're not going to change, period. There's nothing you can do. Unless they get a crisis in their life, they have a heart attack or they have a cancer that could be treated and then they have to change their lifestyle to keep it from coming back. So some people need that, you know, horrible thing happening in their life to change them. I remember when I was doing my fellowship, I was volunteering at a community health center and there was a woman who had diabetes and she said, how can I stop this? How can I make it better? I said, well, you need to change your diet. Does that mean I have to stop eating donuts? I said, yes. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> but then there are other people who want to change and just, you know, the thought of making big changes are overwhelming to them. And really anybody who wants to make changes, I would suggest they start small, little mm -hmm. things. I had a patient who had has rheumatoid arthritis and I said, you know, one of the things you have to do really if you really want to change things is change your diet. The interesting thing is rheumatoid arthritis patients, when they get diagnosed, 75% of them have the same gut bacteria. Oh, wow. So, yes. So I said, one of the things you need to do is think about an anti-inflammatory diet. I love the Mediterranean-style diet. Mm. Um, it's really good anti-inflammatory foods. And so I said, let's start small, which really wasn't small. I said, are you drinking Coke? Oh, yeah. 
I'm, I have to have my Coke four times a day. I'm like, well, let's start there. Let's stop the Coke. And she said she went out to her car and had this long discussion with herself and said, okay, I can do this. And she did. Not only did she lose weight, but her rheumatoid arthritis improved. It didn't go away completely, but it definitely got better. And now she's making other changes. So I try and start small or with one thing. Start yeah. with one thing. Because if you do too many things at once, it's not going to work. You'll fail. And dieting, forget about it. Diets don't work. And we talk about that in the book as well. So diets are almost a guarantee that you're going to gain weight in the end. You may lose a lot of weight and then you're just going to gain it back. Because your body, especially when you gain weight gradually, develops a set point at which it wants to keep you at. It thinks you need to be there to survive. So if you lose weight quickly, it's going to try and bring you right back. Your brain's going to give you cravings because that's where it wants you to be. So the key is to lose weight gradually. So one pound a week at the most and just keep at it slowly and change your lifestyle. Change the way you eat, something you can do for life. These fad diets, they don't work. You can't do those for life. You can't eat grapefruit, just grapefruit, <laughs> grapefruit diet for the rest of your life. First of all, you can't get grapefruit all the time and it's not good for you and it's not sustainable. Yeah. It's funny. So we do at the yoga studio once a year, it's coming up, we do a 10 day detox cleanse and it is literally just, I mean, there's some supplements that are like a fiber drink and they're like basic supplements, probiotics, you know, like, I mean, yes. ome omega fatty acids, like these aren't even really like there's one tablet that's like an actual cleanse tablet, but literally everything else is stuff you should probably be having anyway. And right. all you have to do during this is that you cut out dairy, gluten, alcohol, refined sugar, you know, and red meat. So you literally, right. and every year I'm like, oh, it's gonna be so hard. I go to the grocery store and I look at what I put on the conveyor belt and I'm like, okay, this isn't even a detox. This is just what I should be eating. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. isn't that <laughs> And everyone thinks like, oh, I don't know if I can do it for 10 days. And I'm like, you know, sadly, and there's some detoxes that are extreme and they're just juice and whatever. But I'm like this, you guys, this is literally just training us to eat what we should. There's nothing extreme here. Right. And so, yeah, just pick one of those things for life and then add the next when you're ready. It's the gratifying thing for me is that I have many people who where the lights come on for them. They don't need my help anymore. And I've told them that, like, you know what? You figured this out. Many people live their whole lives and never figure this out. You did it now. It doesn't matter where they are in their life. They could be 50, 60, 70, 80. But at any point, once you figure it out, it's remarkable and you can become healthier. And that's the key. <laughs> so and yeah, if you're and feeling I miserable, start making some changes. I love that you say that because a lot of times I think people think like, you know, especially people at certain ages will say like, oh, well, you know, I'm already 70, so it's not worth it. And I'm like, oh, but you could have 20 more years. Like you could have 20 great years feeling great or you could have, you know, five crappy That's ones, right. You know, and you can make it, you know, can live longer if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so empowering. So, you know, along those lines, there was an 80-year-old woman I sent for EMDR. She goes, why should I do this now? I said, because this, your mother's been traumatizing you for your whole life. You need to get this, this gone. You need to be done with this. And so she did. She did the EMDR and came back to me and thanked me. And then she said she had this dream where she was in a room with another woman. And the woman says, okay, now we need to start talking about our mothers. And she said, no, I'm done. I don't ah. need to do this anymore. 
And even at 80, she was like, this weight had been lifted off her shoulders and she's so happy. And she never came back to see me. She's doing great. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. It doesn't matter how old you are to get rid of trauma or to change your lifestyle or to become healthier. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Can you give our listeners just a little, for someone that hasn't heard of what that is, just kind of a brief description of it? So EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, is a therapy where the therapist basically helps to uh, remove the emotional attachment from memories. And it's done with either tapping or eye movements. It is an established therapy used by psychologists. It's not woo-woo. It's not voodoo. It totally works. (laughs) And you don't have to believe in it for it to work. It's pretty remarkable. And it basically, I guess the best way to give an example of what it does is the therapist will have you come up with a list of everything in your life that has traumatized you. That's the hard part, remembering. You don't have to give a lot of description, but you have to remember and write it down. Then you show the therapist the list. She looks at the emotional groupings and then does the EMDR. Again, either tapping on your knees or using eye movements. And then little by little, the emotional attachments to those memories are gone. And the woman that I send people to usually will have people look at the list. So I always ask people, so what does it feel like? They said, well, when I looked at the list after the EMDR treatments, it was like looking at someone else's list. <sighs> so all those traumas, the memory of it, gone. Yeah. The emotional attachment wasn't there anymore. Yes. That's, that is the emotional memory. Wow. Okay. So you have here on our notes, ways of living longer and happier. And I see coffee and chocolate. So we need to talk about this. Yes. I love coffee. I've always loved coffee and I'm always looking to see if there's anything wrong with it. And there's very (laughs) little wrong with it. (laughs) They used to think that it increased the risk for pancreatic cancer, but that's just because the study was done wrong. They had taken people with pancreatic cancer in the hospital, looked at their food log, saw that they a lot of them were drinking coffee, compared that to other people in the hospital with other GI problems, gut problems. And of course, people with gut problems, the first thing people will tell you to do is quit drinking coffee. So they weren't drinking coffee in the hospital. Surprise, surprise. It was totally erroneous. <laughs> it does not increase the risk for pancreatic cancer. In fact, it lowers it, lowers the risk for endometrial cancer and other cancers. Coffee will decrease the risk for Parkinson's disease. It will actually help you live longer about 20% longer than people that don't drink coffee, makes you happier. It perks you up, so to speak, pardon the pun, and actually reduce the risk for tinnitus or ringing in the ears in women. It also reduces the risk for type 2 diabetes, and now we know why. There's something in coffee called cafestol. It's not the caffeine. It's an element in coffee that reduces the risk for type 2 diabetes. They're actually going to probably find a medicine for it, They make a medicine out of it. So there's really no downside. The major downside is when you go to Starbucks and get a 700 calorie mocha mocha whatever, (laughs) that's not good. Um, It also that's not coffee. That's a dessert. Come on, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) And then it can you know make give you reflux if you're one of those reflux people, so you shouldn't do it. It also can keep you awake at night. So usually I suggest people don't drink beyond noon or even two o'clock if they can push it. And when you quit. If you're a you know regular coffee drinker, you'll get a whopping headache. You'll definitely go through withdrawal. The other thing is if you're a French press aficionado, it will increase your LDL or bad cholesterol because it holds the oils in the coffee. Drip coffee's fine, but the French huh. press or what we used to use is percolator coffee, that would hold the oils in there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so coffee is all around. I really enjoy it. 
All right. Well, I want to know about chocolate, but I really usually people talk about chocolate as being good when it's not milk chocolate. So give it to me straight. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, really, they're talking about dark chocolate, like usually 65% pure dark chocolate is what you're looking for. The more the actual chocolate content, more bitter the chocolate becomes. But the bitterness you can actually get used to. So coffee or chocolate um, helps to improve blood flow in the brain, especially if you're the person that has poor blood flow. doesn't do anything if you already have good blood flow. So they've done studies in elderly people with giving them dark, hot chocolate twice a day definitely help their blood flow in their brain. There are places in England they've studied populations finding that a little bit of chocolate every day improves the risk for heart disease, stroke, and it, chocolate has things in there that are like precursors to serotonin. So it does make people happy. One of the things I like about chocolate that's really cool is if you take a small square of dark chocolate and let it melt on your tongue, and if you have a cough, it will stop your cough for an hour. Wow. So if you're one of these people that has a chronic cough and you're like in a movie theater or a play or something and you want to stop it, just take a little square and let it melt on your tongue. You'll be fine for an hour. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> wow. But no milk chocolate. That's a no-go. <laughs> milk chocolate, no. It doesn't have the same kind of effect. Although I have seen studies saying that any chocolate, whether it's milk or whatever, does help to some degree. But if you want to get more bang for your buck, do the dark chocolate. Okay. All right. For sure. Okay. All right. Well, husbands across America want to know about scream cream. Oh, scream cream is amazing. So, um, <laughs> sometimes as we get older, go through menopause or for some people on certain medications like antidepressants, there's a cream that has Viagra, aminophilin, and arginine, all things that dilate blood vessels. So this is Viagra for women, basically. It's a cream. You put it on the clitoral area. You have to wait half an hour to 45 minutes, just like men do with their Viagra. And then bingo, you're and there's 16 no, again. There's no um, side effects like getting into no. your bloodstream or no. no. Okay. No, 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 it doesn't. And it's such a small amount, doesn't do anything. Now there are, you have to get it from a compounding pharmacist. There are compounders around the country. Some use nitroglycerin instead of the aminophilin. But if you do that, I think it will give you a headache. So I would go with the aminophilin, arginine, Viagra combination. Okay. So, and we have so to go to our I, OBs for it, right? You can go to any doctor. They just call it into a compounding pharmacist. Okay. And in the book, I have a website where you can find where the compounding pharmacists are in your area. Yes. But it's amazing. It's changed many of my patients' lives. I mean, I had a patient who had a stroke. Sex was a really important part of her life. Um, I had put her on a very low-dose antidepressant because a lot of people after a stroke, even when they recover, will be left with a little bit of a depression. It reduced her um, sensation. And so when I put her on the scream cream, she was so happy. I mean, she goes, it's my new crack. I love it. My husband loves it. It's uh, changed her life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it's so women who've had breast cancer treatment where they have absolutely no hormones, it will help with them as well. And there's no hormone in it. So you can use it. Pretty oh. amazing. Why don't we know about this? This is so it's not obviously in mainstream yet, right? Uh, no, <laughs> it's a secret. But now everyone <laughs> who's listening to you will know about it. See, empowering women. That's what we're about here. <laughs> exactly. Ladies, let's go thing, get our cream. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that will improve your sex life is actually dancing with your husbands or partners. And that's what the last part of the book is all about, how to improve your life and health and brain power with ballroom dancing. 
<laughs> and the, the reason that I even wrote this book altogether was I really was starting out talking about ballroom dancing with my co-author. And there was this amazing study that had just come out where they looked at different activities that helped to prevent dementia. They had taken seniors between the ages of 75 and 85 and followed them for five years. And 124 of them had developed dementia. And they looked to see if there were activities that reduced the risk of dementia in the healthy people. And they found there were. So there was cycling, golfing, swimming, reduced the risk 0%. They saw that reading frequently reduced it by 35%. Crossword puzzles reduced the risk by 47%. But there was one activity that reduced it by 76%. And that was partner dancing, ballroom dancing. If you ballroom dance two to three times a week, you can reduce your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And you do that because we all can build new neural networks in our brain. Just like exercising your body, you can build muscle at any age, you can build brain power at any age. And ballroom dancing is an amazingly fun way to do it. Not only will it reduce your risk for dementia, but it will help incredibly improve your balance, which is important as you get older because falls can be deadly. It helps to improve bone density, and it's great for lowering your blood pressure, improving cardiovascular health. And just psychologically, it's wonderful because you have a connection with a human being. You may not be married. You may be single, whatever, but you're connected to that person through the dance and through the dance community. And it is quite a great activity just for overall health. Oh my gosh, this makes me so excited because I did ballroom dancing in college, not at any like high level, but I just took classes and mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then my husband and I did some dancing, but not much. So I think I know what everyone's getting for Christmas this year. <laughs> yes. And in oh, the book, we talk, neat. we have a list of events, dance events that you can go to to learn to dance if you're new all across the country. And usually beginning classes are free at those things, at those conventions. Oh, that's so neat. Okay, so this goes right along with your try this. So you're going to give them a challenge to go dance, Yes, right? definitely. Go dance. Go find a dance class and do it at least once and see if you like it. I would yeah. bet you will. It's so good it's for fun. the soul. Yeah. It is. It's great. And the other thing that ballroom dance is good for is Parkinson's disease. So it bypasses the part of the brain that's damaged. And so Parkinson's patients usually can dance. They may not walk really well, but they can dance. Wow, that's amazing. Hey, everybody, it's Angela here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, guys, it's Angela here. I wanted to let you know about something I'm doing to celebrate my 40th birthday. I am gifting 40 free clarity calls, and this is my version of the 40 Acts of Kindness, and I'm calling it 40 for 40. So go to AngelaWagnerCoaching.com slash 40 for 40, and you can sign up for a session. It is zero selling. I promise you, I will do no selling on this call. This is just simply for me to give back and put into the world and to connect with those of you that listen to the podcast. Or if you have friends that are working through something, we'll spend 30 minutes together. And I really hope that you will reach out and connect so that I can help you discover what it is that sparks you. Oh my it gosh, is. you're such a wealth of knowledge. This is, we could talk for hours, but um, <laughs> we could. <laughs> we could. I mean, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on the show. So, 
why don't you finish us off with a shout out? Oh, I'd like to shout out to my co-author, Dave Kahn, because he and I did this together. And without him and our discussions, and he's my dance teacher, without him, I never would have even thought about doing this. So, and he was my editor too. He did a great job editing everything that I wrote. I edited his stuff. He edited mine. It was pretty amazing collaboration. So that's that's my shout out. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Where do they find you? So they can, we have a website, wellhealed.net, W-E-L-L-H-E-A-L-E-D.net. You can purchase the book there. You can get it on Amazon and you can communicate with us through the website as well. Oh, that's so great. And we will, as always, you guys, on uh, my website, AngelaWagnerCoaching.com, Sarah will post the show notes. And I believe this is going to be episode 46. And uh, it'll say Dr. Robin Miller. And everything that we've talked about will be listed there. And I'll have Sarah also make up a blog post with kind of all the different tests and just everything. Maybe we'll do like a little mini summary that way you guys could because there's a lot of stuff I think that people can just click on and they'll want to do a lot of research after this episode. Ugh. Great. Thank you for empowering us. You, um, you're doing such good things in the world. I just want to thank you for, for putting that out and sharing with everyone. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited that I was able to do this. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. Next week on the Spark Podcast. You get those people who say it's a myth that the gender pay gap even exists. It's not a myth. Yeah. Oh my gosh, boss man. I love that. <laughs> Listen, boss man. Because <laughs> it's scary to like put yourself out there. You've got to work on your confidence. If we get more women in power, the world will be a better place. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Spark. If you have a few extra minutes, please do an act of kindness and leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends. It really helps us out to spread the word. You can find the show notes and blog posts at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Coach A. Wags. Remember this week to take the time to give thanks, raise a glass, and discover what it is that sparks you.